Hi, and welcome to the I Have Fallen and Need Some Help podcast, where the main mission is to educate, equip, and empower families who are caring for their elderly loved ones. We will discuss resources, how to be our best selves, and ways to define success to create success. I am Erin Thompson, a 20-year veteran in the senior living industry and a 15-year family caregiver, and I cannot wait to add value to your life. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the I Have Fallen and Need Some Help podcast. I am your host, Erin, and I'm so happy you joined me. I recently did a talk at the Design Live Thrive Summit, and you can buy the replay, designlivethrivesummit.com. It was a great opportunity for me. I loved the process. I loved speaking, and I loved being able to educate, equip, and empower family members on how to care for their elderly loved ones. And so over the next few weeks, I'm going to break break down that talk, excuse me, break down the talk into different segments where I can dig a little bit deeper inside each topic for you. And so today we're going to talk about knowing where the five documents or more are, knowing where the top documents that you need to know. You need to know what you don't know. And there are many different reasons why. You could be the only child and You could be caring for both of your parents. Both of your parents could be alive. One of them could have dementia. The other one could be doing their best to take care of the the person with dementia. And then something could happen to to the mom or the dad that's well. And all of a sudden, no one can show you where all the things are to take care of your remaining parent. And so I ask you to think about what if something happens suddenly? Do you know where everything is that you need to know to move on to the next step in the journey? If you don't, you need to know. So come on, I'll tell you what those documents are. So this is the first episode of what to expect when you're not expecting to care for an elderly loved one. You really need to know what you don't know. I can just say that over and over again. And in any type of caregiving situation or role, Begin with the end in mind. You may be at the very beginning of your caregiving journey. You may not even think that you're a caregiver at this point. But it's always good to know what your loved one's expectations are for their process. Lightly bring up the conversation every now and again. Because the more you know, the better success you will have. And you, be- if you begin with the end in mind, there's a lot of peace when you have to step into a role that you really don't want to be in to begin with. So, you know, my calling card for caregivers is your best is all that is required. Nothing more, just your best. And when your best is not good enough, your job is to go and find the next best thing. And just like everything, everything is uncomfortable until it's comfortable. Everything, working out, parenthood, caregiving. Everything is uncomfortable until you get comfortable with the flows and the processes and everything. And the more you know, the easier it is. Okay. So let's talk about those documents. You need to know where the power of attorney documentation is. You need to know where a living will that either includes or does not include a do not resuscitate order, which is a DNR. 
You need to know where a copy of the last will and testament is or who the lawyer was that filed it. Prearranged funeral plans, if there are any. Insurance and identification cards, bank statements, and other banking information. We'll discuss that. I know that's a sensitive topic. Marriage and or death certificates. And if your loved one is a veteran, you need to know where the DD-214 form is or any other discharge paperwork. And you need to know if your loved one has long-term care insurance paperwork and or life insurance paperwork. Okay, so let's go into all the details of why these documents are important. Let's discuss power of attorney documentation. It is best practice that you have a power of attorney for someone who needs it. What is a power of attorney? A power of attorney allows you to speak for someone when they cannot speak for themselves. And hopefully inside of a living will, there's a, you know, a real list of what everybody's wants and desires are. And so you have literally a written plan of what to do. And so if you ever questioned or doubted or felt like you were making the wrong decision, that you could refer to a living will where hopefully your loved one kind of wrote everything down that they did not want. And if that isn't happening or didn't happen in enough time, then you need to make decisions based on dignity and respect and quality of life. I had a podcast titled Making the Hard Decisions, and you can certainly reference that podcast in helping you decide when the process is too much for a loved one and how to deal with making that decision. But there are two forms of power of attorneys, and you can make them durable, which would be both of them. But you have your medical power of attorney and your financial power of attorney. If you have a large family and dynamics are flowing, which there are in a lot of families, it's important that someone is designated to be a power of attorney because there needs to be a point person. That point person will have a lot of responsibility and a lot of people's opinions coming their way. And it's important that you, as the power of attorney, talk to your loved one and make sure that you know what their wishes are because when all the other opinions and stuff start coming your way you will be firm in you knowing what was desired by your loved one a financial power of attorney is needed so desperately when it comes to handling the end of life or even handling the messy middle you know, if your loved one has dementia and cannot meet their financial requirements, it's going to require someone to do that for them. And honestly, the bank is not going to take just a power of attorney. It is required. The bank is going to want a power of attorney. And then the bank is going to want proof that this person cannot speak or act on their own behalf. I'm going based on my experience and I have seen this over and over and over again. When family caregivers try to go to the bank for their loved ones who have dementia, who may be in memory care, the bank will not accept the power of attorney, but also wants a letter from the doctor stating that their loved one is no longer capable of making their own financial decisions. So a financial power of attorney is required to do the things that need to be done from a financial standpoint. 
if you are on your loved one's bank account, then clearly you won't have to jump through those hoops. But being on a loved one's bank account can be challenging depending on your loved one and depending on your family dynamics. But I do believe it's best practice that at a certain point, someone that you trust is on an elderly loved one's bank account. Because again, I referenced in another podcast, the need for physical connection, that people need to be monitoring our elderly loved one's bank accounts at some point, especially if a diagnosis of dementia or cognitive impairment has been diagnosed, because the internet is a scary place and they can take money and they can spend money that they would not have spent if their brain wasn't affected by a cognitive impairment. But hear me when I say I understand what, how dangerous that can be to put somebody's name on someone else's account because it gives them free reign. So choose wisely. And every situation is different. You know, in my grandmother's situation, my mother was on her account. Always was. Right. And I have seen that over and over and over again, where there are daughters or sons on accounts to make access easier. When your loved one stops driving, typically that's when the need for more care arises. And I was even talking to my own parents recently about, well, when do you feel like a child needs to be put on an account, an adult child needs to be put on an account? And there is no reason for that really until I believe driving stops or dementia is diagnosed or a stroke happens, or something that affects cognitive impairment to where maybe a little bit of monitoring is important. I have seen too many people fall to scams or give their money away for me not to give this advice. But I understand the danger of putting the wrong person on your account. So choose wisely. And there are many different options. There's conservatorships, there's legal people that can step in. So there are options and avenues. I just want to bring awareness of knowing where these documents are, what the banks are going to want from a financial power of attorney, especially when they cannot, when your loved one cannot speak for themselves. And also just an awareness to be aware because I have seen family members totally caught off guard when hundreds of thousands of dollars are gone that they thought their loved ones had. So just being aware, consistently respecting people's boundaries, but as a caregiver, also setting your own as I need to know where these documents are. I don't have to have a copy of them, but if you can put them in a box, in a folder, and then I know where those are, that is a boundary. So power of attorney, healthcare, and financial. Healthcare and financial can be the same person, and it also can be separate. Because being the same person, it could be a lot of responsibility. And if you have a tight-knit group or you have, you know, a son or a daughter, you know, a sister or a brother that is capable in other areas, then splitting that is fine and works out because then multiple people feel like they're invested in the caregiving journey of your loved one. Just make sure we can work together and everyone's best interest is kept in the forefront. Dignity, respect, quality of life, love, all of those um, are the lens that you make every decision through. 
So your living will is basically the instruction of what your loved one wants their end of life journey to look like. Do they want treatments in can- of cancer at a certain point? Do they want a feeding tube put in if they can't eat anymore? Do they want life-sustaining measures to happen if something were to happen? Those are important things to discuss with your loved one. They're also very hard, but it's nice when you know those answers. And it's nice when your loved one has them written down on a legal document where you don't have to question and you don't have to wonder. A do not resuscitate order can be separate from a living will, but also can be a part of that. And that literally is stating that they do not want to be resuscitated if something happens. And that is hard. It's a hard decision. It's a hard topic to talk about, but it's important for you to know that. Your living will is separate from your will and testament, your last will and testament. Your living will basically talks about everything that you want or do not want in the course of your journey to end of life. And then your last will and testament is how you are going to split out your assets to your family or your friends or donations or whatever it is that that people choose to do. So your living will is different from your last will and testament. And then to know if there's any prearranged funeral plans. Prearranged funeral plans are important because it is basically the work is done for you, which is so amazing. It's just great to know that you don't have to go through that entire process. You take those documents to the funeral home and you let the funeral home tell you what has already been purchased. My experience is that there will be more charges when the time comes. So expect a couple hundred to maybe, um, depending on what you choose to do, to up to $1,000, just additional fees that may be on top of what's already been purchased inside a prearranged funeral plan. But know where those documents are. And so if and when the time comes, even when you're not expecting it, that you know where they are and you can just refer to that. And it takes some of that pressure off in a very vulnerable and emotional time. What's also important to note about these legal documents is you need to get these done before dementia has progressed to the point where they're no longer capable of making these decisions for themselves. Um, There's a lot of people who will take advantage of vulnerable seniors. And so when they are still capable of taking care themselves and making these decisions with a sound mind, that is when you want to get these legal documents prepared, not when it's too late. Lawyers will not, hopefully will not make these, prepare these documents if dementia is too far progressed. So the quicker and the earlier you get them done, the better. Knowing where your insurance and your identification cards of your loved one are very important. I will never forget working inside of senior living and we had someone move in who never had any children, was never married, and was primarily taken care of by his siblings. And then those siblings passed away and he was still alive. And so nephews and nieces and people were involved in his care. And not as involved as siblings or children would be. And so when we became the sole caregiver, basically, for this man, and he needed to go to a doctor's appointment, a a specialist outside of our medical director. Well, 
we didn't have any identification cards and the nephews didn't know where the identification cards were. And so it became this battle trying to get him to see this physician and the physician wouldn't take him because he didn't have any identification cards. So that's why I put in identification cards because we think that that's typical and why would somebody not know where their identification cards are? Well, let me just tell you, things get lost, things get thrown away, and you never know when that's going to happen, especially with cognitive impairment. So the sooner you can gather together documents that may not be as sensitive as banking statements and living wills and last will and testaments, the more protected and secured you are in having to step in or get the care that someone needs. So making sure that your loved one has insurance and that their identification cards are together and making a copy of those and then keeping a copy for your records is, I think, a best practice. I have been most impressed with family members who have a notebook of pretty much all of these documents that aren't sensitive information. And they bring them into a community and I'm like, wow, that's impressive. And it's because it brings them peace. And so, no, we don't always have to have a notebook. But we can have a folder to where if we have to reference it, then we get it, you know, or a lockbox or a firebox or something that when you need it, you know where it is and you don't have to be scrounging around the house trying to find paperwork that you need in a very emotional time. Because how many times can we not find the trees through the forest or you can't see the trees through the forest, whatever that saying is, you know? Insurance and identification cards seem pretty obvious, seem like they would never get lost, but you would be surprised at how many times they do. When you get to bank statements and other banking information, you're walking on very thin ice, I am aware. You have family members who are very private about those situations and those um, balances. And, you know, we have generations that do not talk about money, period. I understand that. I want you to respect that. I get that. I believe if you know where they bank and how many places they bank, then I believe you're ahead of the game. Okay. And then you just simply say, I understand your boundaries. I respect your boundaries, but I have to have mine. If I'm going to be responsible for you when you cannot be responsible for yourself, and that could happen at any time without warning, I just need to know what I need to know and nothing more. If you will just put it in a folder or put it in a lockbox, then I will know that I can get to it when I need it. And that's all that you have to have. And that's all that you have to know. Knowing where your marriage and death certificates are is important. You're going to need those uh, with benefits, uh, whether it's through work or through the Veterans Administration. So knowing where those certificates are are very important. And specifically if one of the spouses was a veteran. Because you're going to want that DD-214, which is their discharge paperwork, because the VA offers a pension called Aid and Attendance Pension, and it pays for the spouse of a veteran care, and it pays for the veteran if they need care, and then it pays another amount if both of the residents need care. And this is a pension that applies to people who were active duty for 90 days and one day being during wartime. So it is a pension And it is something that people who are veterans have worked for. And if they qualify for it, get it. 
but you will need to have your marriage and or death certificate and the discharge paperwork, which would be your DD-214 form. There are financial requirements for that, and we'll talk about all those in another podcast soon, but it is the aid and attendance pension, and it does pay or it does consider family members getting or family members giving the care to the loved one. So that's important. So if if your loved ones live with you and you're actively caring for them, then they may qualify for the VA aid and attendance pension. And you can put an hourly amount, $18, $15, $12, $10, whatever you want to on that form, and they would be able to get reimbursed for that. So the VA aid and attendance pension. So please look into that if your loved one is a veteran and you think will qualify. The long-term care insurance paperwork is something that not everyone has, but you might be surprised that your loved one may have bought it. There was a big push, you know, decades ago for long-term care insurance, and they are some serious policies like that really benefited a lot of the residents that I served inside the senior living industry. And a long time ago, I don't think those insurance companies really realized that assisted living was going to be what it was and what it is today. Um, So there are many, many, many seniors who have amazing policies. So ask your loved one if they bought a long-term care insurance policy. And if they did, do they know where the paperwork is? Because you need to know where that paperwork is. Typically, if a long-term care insurance policy has only a skilled nursing benefit, there has been a rider in the course of the last 20 years that will include assisted living and memory care. Some policies do pay for in-home sitters, not all of them, but in order to get that benefit, typically you have to use a provider that has a business license, and the long-term care insurance will not recognize family members caring for their loved ones. Do want to add if your loved one bought a long-term care insurance policy and yet they refuse to use it it is a waste of money in huge proportions so look at the policy and see what your loved one needs and use the policy people have paid upwards of 3 200 to 500 dollars a month for this policy and if they never use it depending on how long they paid for it, and if they paid for both people, if they're two spouses, that is a huge chunk of money that never, ever got used. So if your loved one has a policy, use that to your advantage if you want them or need them to move into an assisted living community and use it as you bought this policy for such a time as this. Don't waste the money. I believe assisted living can change lives in ways that you cannot imagine. And if you have a long-term care insurance policy, use it because you're just going to lose it. And then life insurance paperwork, know where that is if there is one. If there is a policy, know where that is. And ask if there is one because sometimes people don't remember that they bought these policies Um, so ask the question because that's important and then know where that paperwork is. So know where your power of attorney documentation is. If you have medical and or financial power of attorney, you need to 
differentiate that and know where both documents are, or if it's in combined one, just make sure you know where it is. Your living will, your DNR, your last will and testament, and prearranged funeral plans, your insurance and identification cards, bank statements, and other banking information, your marriage and or death certificates, and of course, your veterans discharge paperwork, which is the DD-214 form, and then your long-term care insurance paperwork and your life insurance paperwork. Those are the documents that will help you start and succeed all throughout your caregiving journey. I hope this helps. We will go into more tactical, real information um, that you need to know through your caregiving journey over the next few weeks. Thank you for being here. You can contact me through the Aspire for More with Erin Facebook page, our group related to this podcast, which is the I Have Fallen and Need Some Help podcast, and also my new website that is up, www.aspireformorewitherin.com. I'm here to add value to your life, to serve you, and to help you make the best decisions out there for your loved ones. And if you need any help or advice, reach out and I'll be happy to help you. Have a great day. I have created a company called Aspire for More with Erin to really educate, equip, and empower caregivers caring for their elderly loved ones. I am available as counseling type services, as a guide to help navigate the crisis times, as a what's next. I don't know if I can continue to do this. How do I find the right assisted living? What is assisted living? All of these questions are what I'm here for. So if you need help or you need a safe space or somebody to just hold your hand to help you make decisions, a place to vent, someone to help you understand how to make the hard decisions and when, then I am your person. And you can contact me with the link in the show notes or at Aspire for More with Erin's Facebook page. And I will do my best to help you navigate the little nuances that make a huge impact in your caregiving journey.